Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. The first reading is from Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And the second reading is from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Father, again, we ask that you would open our eyes to Christ. We pray, Father, we might uh, know his humility and gaze on him. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd work in us, that we might be humble before him and so humble for others. And this we pray uh, for the glory of our Saviour. Amen. Amen. Uh, Christians already mentioned uh, the Queen and her passing and prayed in light of it. Um, And, of course, there's lots of stories being shared uh, this week and the last couple of weeks about the Queen. I think my favourite story um, was from the Queen's Jubilee earlier this year and it was a story told by our Royal Protection Officer Richard Griffith. I don't know if you heard this one. Um, it's an absolute classic. Um, he, he tells the story of how he and the Queen uh, were out together at some normally secluded picnic site where they happened to meet two American tourists Okay, and, and he tells the story, a British accent, of course, uh, my accent may or may not be British in just a minute. He tells the story and he says this, and, and you know, the Queen, the Queen would always stop and she'd say hello. Um, and it was clear from, clear from when we first stopped that, that they hadn't recognised the Queen. And the American gentleman was telling the Queen where they came from and, and where they were going next and, and what they'd seen in Britain. And, and sure enough, I could see it coming. He said to Her Majesty... And where do you live? (laughs) And she said, well, I live in London. But I've got a lovely holiday house just the other side of the hills. And so he says, well, how long have you been coming up here then? (laughs) Oh, she says, ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. Yeah, you could see the cogs ticking and he says, well, if you've been coming up here 80 years, you must have seen the Queen. (laughs) (laughs) Quick as a flash, you know what she says? Well, I haven't, but Dick here meets her regularly. (laughs) 
So the guy says to me, you've met the queen, what's she like? Well, well, because I'd known her a long time, I knew I could pull a leg. And so I said, oh, she can be a bit cantankerous at times. <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. <laughs> anyway, next thing you know, the guy comes over, puts his arm around my shoulder, gets his camera, gives it to the queen. <laughs> and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? You know, and that's what she does. And then we swapped places and I took a picture of her with the Queen and we never let on and, and we waved goodbye and then Her Majesty said to me, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall <laughs> when they show those photos to the friends <laughs> and they work out who I am. And, <laughs> and it's just so great, don't you think? Um, and I don't know about you, but I think when I grow up, I want to be like the Queen. You know, don't you? Like to be that sharp, um, that funny. Uh, in fact, and more to the point and more to the rest, to be, to be that, well, humble. You know, to look to others and not to me. To point to others and not to me. That, that even if I was the queen, that I'd be happy to hold the camera. You know, and go unnoticed rather than be the one in the shot. One of the things I've been struck by in my Bible reading right throughout the year is that it seems to me that's what God wants for me too, actually. Perhaps more, in fact, than anything else. God wants me to be humble. First toward him, then toward others. That's what God wants and loves. This is one of the places I've been struck by it uh, recently is in this story we just heard, the story Jesus tells of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, you'll know it well. I'm sure it's the story of two very different men, two very different prayers, and then one crystal clear announcement of what God wants and loves. Two very different men, two very different prayers, one crystal clear announcement of what God wants and loves. First, two very different men. Singapore Kelly has this wonderful line in one of his songs where he speaks of Two opposite men on opposite sides. And as Jesus begins his story, that's his point too, isn't it? Uh, that's why he chooses these two men. See it there, verse, two, verse 10. Uh, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. In other words, two opposite men uh, on opposite sides. Opposite sides of society, uh, opposite sides of morality, uh, opposite sides, as I was thought, of even God himself. And, and that's why Jesus chooses these men. The first is this picture of godliness. Uh, the, the second, a, well, a definition of godless. Uh, the first was the kind you looked up to. Uh, the, the second, the kind you called your kids back from. I've told you before, I don't want you near that man. And that's who goes to the temple to pray, these, these two very different men. With these two very different prayers. Um, not, not that everything's different, mind you. You will have noticed, after all, they both pray to the bright God, the same God. They, they, they both pray in the right place, the same place, and they... And actually, both their prayers tell the truth. Um, th th there's no suggestion that either are wrong. 
Now, as the Pharisee prays there in, in verse 11, he says, no, I thank you that I'm not like other men. The fact of the matter was he wasn't. You know, on every human scale, he was better. He, he really did fast twice a week. He really did tithe all he got. And presumably he did lots of other wonderful ministry things as well. And he was really telling the truth. So for that matter was the tax collector. Uh, we're, we're there in verse 13 with he, his eyes to the ground. He, he beats his breast. He declares himself a sinner. He, he, he was also telling the truth. He really was that bad. Everyone everywhere knew it. And so we see, did he? And yet for all that is the same, they really are two very different prayers, aren't they? And I wonder as you look at them now, what differences stand out most to you? you know, whether it's in what they say or, or how they say it. In fact, why don't we take a moment now, let's just say 60 seconds, thereabouts, um, people around about you, twos or threes, um, why don't you share together what, what you especially notice that's different in these two very uh, different prayers. Let's, let's do that now. People around about you, 60 seconds or so, what do you notice that's different? And I'd love to hear from you in just a minute. Uh, I'll interrupt you. Bring you back. It's always a risk, you lose the room. Um, <laughs> Does anyone want to call out? What did you notice? What, what, what difference does, do you see in, the, in these two very different prayers? Posture. Posture? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a big posture difference. Self-evaluation. Who they see in themselves, how they see themselves before God. I'm just repeating for the podcast, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> how they think God will see them. Yeah. Last call. Works versus mercy. Okay. Yep, works, so podcast people again, works versus mercy, um, where they're looking to find their value and indeed we'll see to be justified. Pharisee's confident, isn't he? It comes across like some heavenly job interview, don't you think? You kind of dress to impress, you roll out your achievements. That's what the Pharisee does. And, and it's that classic strategy of compare and compete, you notice? Uh, like we sort of heard his eyes go left, his eyes go right. He judges himself by what he sees. I don't know if you've ever found yourself guilty of that. I, I, I know I have. I'll never forget my first day of Bible college. I'm sure you're better than this. It's better than this at Ridley. I remember our first day of Bible college when I did that. I quite literally sat in my very first orientation lecture and I looked left and I looked right. And to my horror, what did I find? On my left, a man named Paddy Ben. Okay, now you don't, most of you won't know Paddy Ben, that's okay. I can tell you, when I was an apprentice heading toward college, he used to come and teach us. Okay, so if it helps, just think it's for you, it's Michael Bird, right? See you next year. <laughs> and so there I am, right? Day one, next to me, he's there in class. You know what I thought? Oh no. All right, what's this? How can I compete with that? And that's just the point, right? Day one, theological college. What's the word of my heart? It's compete. You know? 
What's my reflex move? Compare. So it is with the Pharisee, you see? Compare, compete. You notice it's him at the centre. Even, in fact, in his prayer, you saw it? Who's the, the subject? It's him. It's, it's I. It's, in fact, five times he uses the word, or some translations four, but it's four or five. It, I thank you. I am not. I fast. I give. I get. Like, like it's to God, but it's about him. Right, that, that, that's how deep his pride And, of course, it's really ugly to see, and yet it's just so easy to do, isn't it? I have to confess to you, this kind of occurred to me just this morning, just that evening, even in my prayers for today, where did my prayers so naturally go? To me, right? My performance, my protection, or maybe just my understanding, but my serving rather than... To God, his glory. To you, your encouragement. A famous pastor, Richard Baxter, once wrote about ministry, about ministers. One of our most heinous and palpable sins is pride. What a constant companion it is. The work may be God's, yet we do it not for God, but for ourselves. I confess that I feel such continual danger on this point that if I do not watch against it, I would study for myself, preach for myself, write for myself rather than for Christ. So it is for the Pharisee. Contrast that to the tax collector. For him, like Karen said, right, it's eyes down, isn't it? It's, it's far off, isn't it? He, his posture says unworthy. And even when he mentions himself, you see that it's not a subject but object. You notice that? It's not his own doing he points to. It's, it's God's doing he asks for. And, and there's no one else in his prayer. Do you notice? There's, there's no comparing, no competing. The only one he measures against is God. C.S. Lewis once wrote, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. And unless you know God as that, and therefore yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. He goes on, a proud person's always looking down on things, down on people. And, of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. But but not so the tax collector, is it? He looks up. He sees God as immeasurably superior in every way. And so to him he looks for mercy. To him he cries for help. It's these two very different men, these two very different prayers. And finally, this one crystal clear announcement of what God wants and loves. And what's that? 
Well, it, it's this. It, it, it's humility. First before him, then before others. A humble faith that cries to him, our maker, our saviour, our judge. And then a humble love that looks to serve instead of that compare and compete. That's what God wants and loves. What he wants and he loves in his people. That's why Jesus says there, verse 14, you see it. I tell you that this man, this sinful but humble man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Why? For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's them who God will raise. Them who God will reward. As they and we humbly follow our humble saviour who humbly died for us. So how do we respond? Well, from the passage itself, just just two suggestions. First, learn the lesson of the Pharisee. Confess the pride in yourself. (coughs) Learn the lesson of the Pharisee. Confess the pride in yourself. C.S. Lewis again. If anyone would like to acquire humility, that's, that's us, right? I can, I think, tell him the first step. You ready for it? The first step is to realize that you are proud. And it is a biggish step too. Or at least nothing whatever can be done before it. And here's a little kicker for some of us in the room. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wonder, have you seen it? You know, whether like me, day one of college like me in your prayers before preaching. Maybe as another is praised instead of you. Or the marks come in, you've done pretty well. The marks come in and you've not done well. Are you so quick to speak but but slow to learn? Have you seen the pride in yourself? Have you confessed the pride in yourself? Richard Baxter again, humanity's nature is generally disposed to (coughs) self-exalting. Pride and self-love are sins so common, so strong, that's a thing of wondrous difficulty to overcome them. So we need to confess to God. We need to beg for his help. Second, then, we need to follow the lead of the tax collector and, and gaze on God and his grace. Right? Follow the lead of the tax collector and gaze on God and his grace. After all, that was the difference, wasn't it? I think it was pointed out at the back. Between the Pharisee and him. That's actually the thing in the end that set him apart. That's where his humility came from. It wasn't from within. Not from his strength. But it was where he focused his gaze, where he pointed his eyes. 
And then how he saw everything else, including and especially himself. And brothers and sisters, for us especially as we prepare for and head out in ministry, may that be us too. As we study and serve, as, as, we, as we read and remember, as, as we set aside time to deliberately dwell on who God is made known to us in Christ and, and what God's done, his mercy to us in Christ, like, may we gaze on God and his grace. May we see and savour our Saviour. And then by the power of his spirit, may that make us humble. May, may he make us humble. First before him, then before others. You know, just like the Queen and those two American tourists. And even better yet, just like our King, who humbly died for us. Can we pray that he would? Let's pray. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. A humble king who died for us and rose again and now exalted. We pray, Heavenly Father, would you please make us more like him. Please, our Father, show us our pride. Please work within us to put it to death. Please, Father, work in us that we'd work with you. Our Father, have mercy on us sinners. Just as the tax collector prayed. And please, our Heavenly Father, would you lift our eyes? Would you help us daily Gaze on you. Would you help us daily know your grace? And so, therefore, to know ourselves and know our world and, and be humble servants in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.